Hey guys, welcome back to Ben There, the podcast giving visibility to the collegiate female athlete experience through the power of story sharing. With athletes from across the country, we speak candidly about the highs and the lows of the life of a female athlete. My name is Michaela. I'm a varsity athlete at Stanford, and I'm going to be your host for today's podcast. So today we're going to be talking to Kenya, and she is a junior on the lacrosse team at Yale. And first, we're going to listen to Kenya tell her story. Then this time, because Kenya and I's stories are so similar, we're going to have a discussion about the topics that she brings up as they pertain to both of our experiences as black lacrosse players. And we're excited for you guys to take a listen. Hi, my name is Kenya Boston. I am a rising junior on the Yale University women's lacrosse team. And I'm going to be talking about being black while playing a predominantly white sport. Um, So I'm going to start with, I was born in Baltimore and raised here. Lacrosse has always been a huge part of my life and the lives of people around me. You know, in in Maryland, it's almost a rite of passage to play lacrosse at some point. So, you know, growing up, I never felt like I was any different than everyone else around me. And I definitely didn't notice the lack of diversity in the sport when I was younger. And I would say it wasn't until high school, really, when I did finally notice and it started to kind of bother me. So in high school, my close friend group was predominantly black. And then, you know, my club team outside of school was predominantly white. There was one other girl on my team who was a person of color but other than that they were all white all went to private schools I had gone to private school my whole life so that was kind of the community I was um, closest with and you know most involved in was kind of this Baltimore area private school like cross community and so up until I'd say about 2016 when Freddie Gray was killed here in Baltimore and the officer was acquitted and, you know, the Baltimore riots happened. I don't think up until that point it had really bothered me that lacrosse lacked diversity. And I think after that, when my friends, my school friends, my predominantly black friends started to ask me, oh, what have have your teammates said anything to you about it? You know, like, what what is going on in your life and with your team outside of school and I said I don't think any of them have said anything about it um hadn't posted anything about it that I could remember and that for me I think was a realization and it dawned on me that I was very different from most of my teammates in terms of my experiences in life and things that have a, a huge effect on me versus on them and so that kind of created this almost dual personality that I had to have in high school between my predominantly black close friends and my teammates where, you know, with one group, I talked about literally anything and the other, I sheltered myself and, you know, filtered what I said because I didn't want to alienate alienate myself from my team who might not have the same experiences as me and who might not understand my experiences and this kind of carried over into college you know where I thought it was going to be more of the same and I was going to have to kind of have this dual personalities two sides of me for different groups 
But one of the first things that I did when I got to Yale was I attended a pre-orientation program for incoming incoming freshmen from diverse backgrounds. So first-generation low-income, Latinx, Black, um, etc. And, you know, one of the first things we did when we got on campus was a group of us went to go get coffee at a local shop, you know, familiarize ourselves with the campus. And we were kind of going around introducing ourselves. And I said, oh, I'm Kenya, and I'm on the lacrosse team here. And, you know, I thought I was going to get... <laughs> like a oh that's cool or like have you met them anything but what I got instead was they all laughed and I think that was the first time that had ever happened to me in a especially in a group of people um you know them laughing when I said I play lacrosse and I think it was because I didn't realize that lacrosse was so was thought of as this kind of uppity like white sport for preppy kids and you know, super wealthy families. And that's kind of how they thought of it. So when I said that, they laughed and kind of dismissed me after that. And that kind of really affected the beginning of my school year in terms of I didn't feel like now half of my personality that I had at home, which was with my close Black community, my close Black friends, was gone because I felt like I I wasn't going to have that relationship there um, if because if they couldn't respect you know, something that was a huge part of my life because of the reputation it had, then that that alone was something that really bothered me. And especially because, you know, lacrosse was created by people of color and played by people of color for a long time. And, you know, to see how it has changed, you know, since its beginning, quite frankly, is, is somewhat um, heartbreaking in the sense of the reputation it has now. And... So I think that introduction to college created this hole almost in who I felt I was. And it really changed my perspective of how I was going to have to go about being on the lacrosse team in college. And I think, you know, some of that has been resolved but at the same time, I, I almost have this overwhelming feeling of loneliness sometimes, you know, when I have moments where I become uber aware of the fact that I'm the only person of color in the room, the only person of color on the field, whatever it is. And that for me has been tough, I think, especially recently. And, you know, with the recent events going on in the U.S. right now with Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey and these incidents of police brutality and racial profiling, the silence from the lacrosse community has been overwhelming. You know, quite frankly, I saw more posts about the sadness of changing the face-off rules in men's lacrosse than I saw about any of the things that were actually important in the world and our country right now, and that was incredibly upsetting for me. You know, I've also seen a, a good number of Blue Lives Matter posts from people in the lacrosse community and, you know, things, just seeing things like that is, is always going to be hurtful as a black player. And I think a lot of people in the lacrosse community haven't, didn't say anything until it, it, they were being called out for not saying anything. And, you know, I think that's ultimately lacrosse in a nutshell is, you know, being a black player. It's not the lack of diversity isn't going to change until we do something about it. And I have hope with uh, organizations like Nation United and Harlem Lacrosse that that will be the case someday.
So first of all, I just really want to thank you because the stuff that you talked about in your story was my same experience and I related to it so much as a black lacrosse player as well. So I guess the first question is more general and I just wanted to hear like how you're feeling in this moment, um, especially as an athlete that's home during a pandemic and then amidst this huge social justice movement. Yeah, so I think it's definitely originally when it was kind of just a pandemic, I think it was easier to manage. I mean, as as irregular as it was, it kind of became like a a regular schedule of like these Zoom calls and virtually checking in with people. And then I think kind of as the school year ended, it was around the same time that the events going on in the country right now started to pick up. So I think it kind of created this, you know, this explosion and at the same time it it was for me I feel like almost a little overwhelming just because like all of a sudden we have this huge social justice movement picking up and I think it's kind of been definitely weird to not really be seeing people while this is happening you know not really be seeing many friends in terms of being able to like talk to them because I think it's just it's different over the phone versus in person and so it's definitely been like a little isolating and then you know connecting that to the lacrosse community it's been weird for me to kind of see the parallels of like the lacrosse community versus the community I'm involved in outside of lacrosse and just the different responses so it's been weird and kind of confusing time I'd say um overall yeah for sure yeah it's been interesting too because we're still like this is my last week of school so we're still you know full force but we have team meetings and my coach started giving us weekly homework assignments like last week we had to watch the 13th and we had a discussion about it and honestly I think the majority of my teammates are genuinely interested in learning more Um, but my coach is also making this education non-negotiable which is awesome Uh, But at the same time, I do know from others that not all teams are doing this and a lot of them are just going completely silent. Um, Yeah, yeah. Luckily, my coach, I will say, you know, brought up to me that she'd like to have a conversation. So, you know, our team is doing that soon. And I think it's going to, again, be kind of like along what you said. um, It's going to be like good because I think education is the first step. But also just like I think starting a conversation is also important to normalize talking about it. For sure. For sure. Because it's been funny with those conversations that I've had with some of my like white teammates and white friends is that it's just really two different lenses that we've that we've grown up seeing the world. And it's and it's honestly when you can remove yourself and remove some of the emotion, it's kind of amusing just people now realizing things that like we've grown up just always knowing and always seeing, you know all these little acts of racism that are suddenly new for people. And it's, it's kind of interesting for them to be our age, but seeing this for the first time. Right. Right. And then I think, yeah, I feel like right now there's been a lot of attention, so it's kind of hard to avoid seeing it. But I, I feel like, you know, in a lot of past events, even with Freddie Gray and, you know, even going as far back as like, LA riots and stuff I think it's really easy to just remove yourself but I think you know the like nationwide attention that this is getting now is definitely also a game changer compared to past events for sure I I was thinking back to in high school during Eric the Eric Gardner case 
And it was such, honestly, such a traumatizing experience for me for that to happen. And I think kind of, I thought of it when you were talking about the Freddie Gray incident in your story was just the way that so many of my, of my classmates and teammates just, it didn't even matter. It wasn't even like something that they were thinking about, concerned about, you know, it was just like, why are people saying black lives matter? All lives matter. Like that was the conversation. It had nothing to do with someone's life being lost, you know? Yes. Yes, exactly. I was having a conversation with an incoming freshman this year who is mixed and she was like, I think a lot of that also just comes from them not understanding or not being able to relate. It's harder, I guess, to like register that it's actually something important because it just doesn't happen to them and it doesn't personally affect them, which, you know, is unfortunate. But yeah, I, I feel that in terms of Freddie Gray, like I talked about before, is was huge here in Baltimore but largely remained in like the city and it became this like thing of people being afraid to go to the city like restaurants struggled for a while because people didn't want to go to the city because of the Freddie Gray riots even if they were like months before people still weren't going into the city and I think that also sends a weird message in itself but yeah I think there's also a fear of when things like this are going on when there are protests that turn violent you know due to different different factors or just protests in general I think a lot of people don't understand and it kind of forces them into a silence because they don't understand or are scared in a way yeah honestly something that I really struggled with when I first got to got to school was that my K through 12 experience there were great times there were bad times but I left knowing about MLK and Rosa Parks and that was it, you know, <laughs> which was, is just it. I, yeah, that was, that was really bad. And because of that, as a, as a black woman, I wanted to educate myself on my history more, but a lot of other people, you know, don't have the tools to understand some of these like protests, you know, people don't remember or don't know that protests are what cause have caused change in the past. And yes, peaceful protests are important, but we, we see that all the time. Like we've saw that with, um, the NFL and we saw that with Colin Kaepernick and, and it, it's, it, it works sometimes, but it also doesn't work a lot of times. And I'm not saying I'm an advocate for violence, but I am saying that riots have like throughout history, gone on to cause change yeah I completely agree I I also went to like a small private school K through 12 and we definitely learned the very basics of like the civil rights movement you know even like slavery is just like very small amounts that like checked a box almost and I I agree that I think that is incredibly damaging especially in the future and you know I think (laughs) a lot of people don't understand the history and that a lot of people are angry because this has been such a continuous trend of racial profiling and discrimination and that like yes civil rights movement happened but it didn't really it didn't stop anything else from happening you know it didn't it didn't prevent racial discrimination and you know organizations like the kkk still exist and are still sending threats out there and i think a lot of people don't realize that it's kind of like a one and done type of thing and I think that has also been crippling for you know things like this and people are like oh but racism isn't really a thing anymore or discrimination you know ended in the 60s but yeah I I think 
that lack of education or you know the uniformity of learning like like you said Rosa Parks and MLK and that's it you know not talking about the other methods of creating of inciting change like Malcolm X even even in the selection of quotes and like textbooks even sometimes like MLK was had said before like peaceful protests aren't always gonna get the best outcome and I think a lot of people don't know that just because it's it's swept under the rug in a way um I, I think that also is incredibly hurtful and it's showing itself in times like this for sure I remember when I was in like lower middle school and quite literally our teacher would teach MLK as the great civil rights leader which he was but would also say Malcolm X went about it the wrong way. Like, I specifically can quote the wrong way, you know? So, okay, so another thing that I wanted to talk to you about was more on the sports end and talking about kind of the the alienation and the dual personalities, personas that you brought up. I was wondering, what has it been like to manage these that you that you talked about and what does it feel like to constantly have to do that? Yeah, so I think it's it's exhausting to a certain extent in the fact that like I I feel like maybe I want to believe that my like personality just around like my family around like my best friends is, you know, my true personality and is maybe a mix of of how I act around more like my black friends versus like lacrosse friends. And I like to think that, but I don't know that's necessarily true. I think, you know, in some ways, when I'm around my lacrosse friends, I have way more of a filter, I think. And then sometimes, you know, like what I, maybe what I'm actually thinking versus like how I act or what I say is completely opposite. But I feel like it's it's been exhausting in terms of that very real fear that people just like wouldn't understand something I'm saying or, you know, would create an awkward situation. And then when I'm around my close friends from high school who are predominantly black, it's just such a different world. I, I, I wouldn't say necessarily that I'm happier. I think I'm pretty happy around most of my lacrosse friends. It's just that it feels more real to me. And I think that's kind of in a nutshell, the, the difference for me is that, you know, one I feel like is real authentic and way more refreshing and then the other is just like a practiced way that I felt I had to be yeah absolutely and um what you said about having to watch what you say and make people feel comfortable and kind of worry about isolating yourself is something that definitely uh rings true for me as well and I remember especially my freshman year of college because you know you're not established and you're just trying to fit in because it's your first year. You're just trying to see, like, what's the culture here? How do I fit? And I just remember, like, trying to get ready for practice and, like, the whole team screaming along the N-word to a song and, like, trying not to cry, trying not to be completely rattled, but also, like, in this horrible position where there's no upperclassmen who are black. I don't want to make a whole scene. I'm a freshman, you know? I'm just trying to show up and... Yeah, I just, and that's obviously a more extreme case, but I totally agree with the, it's like a, it's a, it's an awkward position to be in no matter what, you know? 
Yeah, and I think also that honestly carries into, like, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of, like, for us, like, going out with your team is more the norm than, like, a sorority or whatever. And that honestly happens, that kind of situation where, like, with music, honestly, and just, like, feeling comfortable in an environment, you know, I feel like my team only hangs out with predominantly white teams as well. And then also listens to either music that I personally don't listen to and that, like, they all know the words to. And I'm kind of just sitting there, like, you know, trying to not look awkward. Or it's, like, you know, listening to songs that end up making me uncomfortable because of the lyrics. And even though, like, I might listen to them by myself or, like, with my home friends, but with the team, it's just a whole different situation. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like the biggest example of what you described for me is like Gold Digger. Love I loved that song in high school. And like every time it comes on in a setting where it's like we're out or at practice, like whatever, I automatically feel so uncomfortable because I'm just like, okay, who's it going to be this time? Yeah, exactly. And then I I like um, Freaky Friday also with Chris Brown and I think it's Lil Dicky and it, that's also another another song especially if it's not the clean version where it's just terrible to listen to with other people especially with like teammates but yeah I I feel you on the gold digger run yeah oh gosh yeah so okay another thing that you brought up that I wanted to talk about was when you talked about get going to that orientation meeting and everyone laughing when you said you were on the lacrosse team, also had a very similar experience. I had just joined the Black Affinity Group and the same thing happened where like an older uh, member was like in front of everyone was just like, why would you want to play that sport? And everyone was laughing. And I definitely yeah. felt that same thing where it was just like, Okay, so I'm black on the on the white lacrosse team, and now I'm too white for this black student group. You know that that double isolation. So, I felt you on that because I feel like it's such a universal feeling. But I wanted to to hear how you've managed that loneliness and how have you coped with it. Um, so I think you know managing loneliness and alienation. I've definitely connected back with my home friends for that. And I think it's partially because they understood me and have known me for basically my whole life. So I feel like they'll they'll know the best thing to tell me to make me feel better or even just like as as simple as like putting a smile on my face if I had a tough day. Um, because at Yale, I, I just feel like I don't have like a super close connection to the black community and I don't feel like I have those people who I can just vent to at this point. And, you know, on my team, I have like, one or two really close friends that I feel like definitely wouldn't judge me and definitely absolutely wouldn't like tell anyone if I ever did have to vent but yeah that's mostly how I deal with evading that feeling of isolation is connecting with people who you know erase that feeling for me for sure and I guess before we wrap up I wanted to know what do you see as some of the next steps for the lacrosse community to be a more inclusive community and in light of the social justice movement? I think I said before, like what your coach is doing, I think educating people by watching movies or television series or, you know, reading a book, anything like that is a great start. You know, I think it also comes with encouraging 
people of color to play the sport and you know things like that I think are important creating more organizations you know normalizing playing lacrosse even if you're a black athlete and you didn't go to private school whatever it is uh, and you know I think that's that's kind of how you have to start is I think both sides the predominantly white lacrosse community and you know black communities who are maybe curious about it need to somehow figure out a way so that both sides are welcome and I think that starts with education on the lacrosse side and encouragement and positivity on the black community side yeah that's that's great yeah totally agree um okay so the last thing I just want to ask is what is a piece of advice you would give to a current black female athlete who might be struggling a little bit um you know, don't give up. Don't be discouraged. For the most part, a lot of black people who play it, especially on the woman's side, I think definitely support each other and kind of you, you get to know each other. And, you know, it's it's just helpful to see a friendly face on the field. And I think, you know, if you continue playing, that's always going to be the case. At, at least every couple of games, you're going to see a friendly face and it, it'll help create comfort. Somehow finding allies to prevent that feeling of isolation is also super important. Making sure you have an ally so that you do have someone to talk to when things get rough um, or someone who can simply just make you feel better, who can make you laugh, whatever it is. But yeah, just stick with it, especially if playing lacrosse brings you joy and, you know, it's something that you're good at and really, you know, feel is important to your life. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Been There. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to follow us on Spotify and check out our Instagram at beenthere.podcast. And we hope to see you on the next one.